it sounds like a fucking animal shelter. Yeah. You know, it was like, it sounded like a jungle in there. And I yeah. just remember thinking, oh my God, this is going to be hard as fuck. Hey, this is Matt Cox, and we're doing a, a video on, or a podcast on Andrea Carswell's story. I say it right? Andrea? Yep. Andrea? Andrea, yep. okay. Andrea, Andrea Carswell. Yep. Okay. So, and uh, yeah, so that's it. So, I'm sorry. I mean, I just don't know much about the story. So, okay. Uh, I know you were on uh, Doc, you were on, uh, Do I always say, I'm going to tell you this too. I don't know if I mentioned this the other day. I, I always say Doc TV. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, I think, read it that way. <clears throat> yeah, but he, he always says DOC, and I was like, "Bro, why do you say DOC?" He's like, "Department of Corrections." Mm -hmm. Like, why are you saying Doc? And I was like, "Cause I thought like maybe that was your nickname." He was like, "What are you nuts?" <laughs> and I was like, no, nuts. I, "I really genuinely felt have felt this whole time, like probably in prison, his nickname was Doc." Doc yeah, a lot of people I think read it Doc, but yeah, it's DOC. So anyway, Department of yeah, Florida <laughs> Department of Corrections. Uh, so it's. It's DOCTV813. Yep. And uh, so anyway, you were interviewed on there. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we're doing it. We're going to do an interview and we're just going to talk about you've been in prison twice. You've twice. got 22 felonies. 22 convictions. Yeah. Felony convictions by the age of 22. I'm third, almost 32 now. But yeah. So. So where were you born? So I was born in Pontiac, Michigan, and then uh, my family decided to move down here to Florida when I was about 11, like right before Detroit really started to fall. My family decided to move out of there and come down here. Uh, we lived with my grandmother for a little while, and then uh, my parents built a house in, a, in our neighborhood. And uh, so I started going to school. I ended up having to go to summer school after fifth grade because I was behind a little bit, which is weird or whatever for to go to summer school that young. But And I met my one of my first school. friends i went to summer school I, I even i even failed like the second grade oh really yeah. yeah yeah so i met one of my first friends in florida and uh she actually her and her family lived two houses down from where my parents were building their house and she had a huge family seven seven brothers and sisters total and uh we got really close so but there was a lot of older you know her brothers and sisters were older so that's where um i kind of started hanging out there and we all started doing drugs together and How stuff like that when I met them, I was 11. I really probably, we probably started dabbling in drugs and stuff when we turned like 13, 14, started smoking weed and doing that stuff. But then we, uh, we ended up trying pain pills. You know, when I was growing up, when I, when I was in like the age where you're trying new drugs, experimenting, having fun, partying, it was like the pain pill epidemic. And so, unfortunately, which are super addictive, you know, so that's what I got hooked on at the age of about 15. I was addicted to pain pills. So like through the, almost all my high school years, yeah. Okay. So, I don't know if people know about the like a pain pill addiction and stuff, but the withdrawals from it are severe. Right. There, you will do almost anything to get them. So that's where I was at. I was in high school still, barely struggling to like make it through. You know, trying to hide it from my parents because my family doesn't use drugs. My mom doesn't. My brother doesn't. My dad didn't. I was kind of like the black sheep of that. And uh, so I made it through high school, barely. I mean, did, they, did they figure out, like, were you caught several? Or you have to have been caught. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, of course, my mom could see it. You know, I was right. obviously skinny, you know, drawn out, tired, staying away from home all the time. You know, I would miss school. So they figured it out. And then I ended up, like, she always knew, but I would never tell her, never tell her, never yeah. tell her, you know. So then finally, I, I wanted to get clean. When I think I was about 17, I might have been, or I maybe just turned 18. I was like, I'm done. I want to get clean. So I told my dad. And my dad was like, well, we knew something was going on, you know, whatever. So then when I, my mom got home, I told her. And my mom actually worked for pain management. She has her whole life. 
she does medical billing, but she's worked for a pain management doctor. So when I told my mom what pills I was using, she immediately knew, immediately knew the problem and immediately knew how serious it was. And I tried to use, um, she took me to her, one of her doctors and I tried to get off of uh, pain pills with Suboxone. Right. And Suboxone, that's like huge in, in, in prison. Like what, I mean, then guys get out, like they'll, then they'll get addicted to Suboxone. Yeah. So when I started taking it, it was still in like a pill. They didn't have like, they have strips now. Strips. They didn't have those. It was still a dissolvable pill and it was super expensive. They were, they, they were like, I think they were like $14 a pill in the pharmacy, which is at that, at the time, oxycodone Roxy's were a dollar in the pharmacy, 80 cents. So, you know, like, that's like one of those things with society. It's like, what the fuck? Who's going to get off pain pills if their pain pills are only 80 cents if they have to pay $14 yeah. for a pill that's not going to get them high? I never got high on Suboxins. I, um, what I would do is actually I would sell them. I ended up selling them to get pills because I didn't want to, you know, I, was, I thought I was ready, but I wasn't. How, and you were 17? I was 17, maybe 18. You know, I was right on, it was right there, right getting ready to graduate high school, all that. So I did that. That didn't work. I continued to use and... Um, Eventually, I started to be an IV user. I started to inject um, pain pills. What? Oh, pain pills! I was yeah. gonna say a lot because a lot of people will move from like oxy's to like heroin because it's cheaper. So heroin always freaked me out. It always scared me. Um, I don't know what it is. I guess I, I guess it's just because I I felt like pain pills. I knew what they were. You know, it's a pill. It came from the pharmacy. I know what's yeah. in it. I know it could still kill me, and if I, you know, overdose and all that. But heroin and stuff like that always freaked me out because, you know, I was always been told about rat poison and shit like that in in heroin. So I, well, I, I think also it's like to, to me, it's it's got less of a of a stigma to it. To me, like like I don't ever think I feel I don't feel like I've ever really taken drugs, but yeah, but I I was but yeah, but you did take pharmaceutical drugs, yeah. and I'm thinking. Well, yeah, but I had a prescription. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, you're, what are you doing? Like, it's, what's the difference between that if you didn't have a... So the difference is, I have a script. Mm-hmm. The doctor said it was okay. Yeah. So it's just stupid. And but in my mind, it made it okay. drug dealers back then, yeah. Yeah. They were. They were just legal drug dealers. Um. So, yeah. So I... Uh, I forgot where I was at. Sorry. Um. You oh, were the good. Suboxone, and then you were switched to um, oxycodone. You were actually. Oh yeah. So I didn't. I ended up not getting clean with shooting, suboxone. You were yeah. shooting oxycodone. So I started shooting oxycodone because just snorting it, snorting oxycontin and Roxy's wasn't enough anymore. So I had started shooting it, which was I was one of like the first in like my friend group, my like our you know whatever to start shooting. So it was weird. How do you even figure that out? What to shoot? Yeah. I mean, it's a pill. So I, how I did it, it? I was, yeah, I was hanging out with this kid who actually the first thing I ever had shot in my life was cocaine, to be honest. I was hanging out with this kid and we were, you know, snorting pills, whatever. And he, he was shooting pills. Well, I didn't want to shoot pills, but I I was like, he's like, well, try cocaine. So I shot cocaine. Well, then after that, I was like, you know what? Now I want to try shooting pills. And then, yeah, you just dissolve it. But somebody teaches you, you know, you just find out how it's scary at first, especially injecting yourself. You're like, oh my God, what if I blow my vein up? Da da da. But then the need to use the drug overrides all that fear. Yeah, yeah. So it, it overrides it. So it, that's, I just, I went there and I started dating a guy who was 17 years older than me at that time. I was 19 probably at this time. Um, I had done like a, I had gone to jail for like six months for some misdemeanors for petty thefts. And I did like six months for that. And I got out and started dating this guy who was 17 years older than me. He did pills, went to the doctor, all that. And, um, he would write fake prescriptions. So I was with him and we would, he would buy the blank prescription paper and we would, he would take them to somebody to print 
them out. Well, I was with, and he would pay them for it. Well, this was, was before they had the the federal that or the the system. Way before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is so when you could doctor shop. You and, could doctor shop. This is when I and I specifically remember this. It was in 2011. I remember reading an article that Rick Scott said that we could not afford that system in Florida to link the pharmacies, but we were one of the only states who did not have it. Right. Which is absolutely insane. Right. Absolutely insane. How, what do you mean we can't afford it? <laughs> this was after he got his, his entire healthcare system got indicted and mm-hmm. paid that massive fine. And then he becomes the, the uh, governor of Florida. And yeah. And says that we can't afford a pharmaceutical company to stop doctor shopping and fucking. Right. And know. I actually knew a guy who bought one of the hospitals that they owned. Oh, wow. And they continued to just do business the same way. And then uh, two years later, they got indicted. Oh, wow. And he ended up going to prison for like five years or something. I've seen a lot of, when I was in jail waiting to go to prison my first time, or no, my second time, I seen them, they were bringing a lot of doctors and a lot of girls in and to tell on doctors and pharmacies and everything and bring them all down. So yeah, but uh, the guy that owns it, never, he doesn't get, it's no, always, lower. they pay a fine and run for governor. It's crazy. So anyway, I'm sorry, go ahead. So, um, yeah, so we... I started dating him and I went with him one time when he was getting the scripts printed. And when I seen the girl doing it, I was like, I can fucking do that. I don't need to pay her $50 a script to do this. So we bought the, at the time you could buy prescription paper online and have it delivered right to your house. A hundred sheets or a hundred sheets, four scripts per sheet, 50 bucks, nothing. Right. You know, you can make, that's what, 400, 400 scripts or whatever, you know? So... We, we did that, and, we, and so I started printing on myself. Well, when we started printing on myself, at the same time, my boyfriend was also doctor shopping. So he was seeing eight doctors a month, plus we were writing fake prescription in his name, my name, and then other people. So he's making a, 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 that's a, that's a bunch of money. It's a bunch of money, but we're also using. Right. You know, he's doing nine and ten pills in a shot. You know what I mean? And I'm doing four or five, you know, whatever. So it's it's a lot, like... Believe it or not, like it's crazy. I want to be like, yeah, it's a lot of money. We made a lot of money. We had a lot of shit, but we were barely paying our fucking rent. Right, right. You know what I mean? Barely paying rent. Rent at that time was eight fifty for a three bedroom house. You know what I mean? And we're barely barely making that because of our habits. So we did that for a long time, and we had, you know, we had the whole setup. I had a fucking calendar at the house, and it would say this doctor, and we only use this pharmacy. So then, you know what I mean? So every month we were doing that. Well, then eventually you meet pharmacists who are for real, you know, like the, the expo boards and shit. So eventually you meet pharmacists and stuff like that who are dirty. And then you just start buying scripts from them straight out without, without any prescription. I met a pharmacist and really you just approach them, you know, and they can either say yes or no, you know? And so we approached them. We asked them if we could just start buying bottles, which a bottle would be a hundred, you know, a pharmacy bottles is a bottle of a hundred pills. Right. And uh, he was like, yeah, so he would sell them to us for cheaper, but he would only let us have a certain amount a month. Yeah, but it's also monitored. So like, what's he doing? Just shorting somebody a pill or two here? I have no idea. He would tell us, I can only sell you nine bottles a month. That was it. Because that's probably what he figured out. That's the most I can get away with. Because they were, so when you were filling your scripts, they were getting, you know, like a dollar a pill. But if they sold, if he sold them to me, we'd pay him $3 a pill. Right. And then we'd go sell them at that time for 10 and 12. So, and, you know, what's funny is like, I honestly, like if that's what they're doing, like I was thinking, like if you get 30 pills in a bottle or something, like you never break it out and count the pills. No, you never break them out and count them. And most people don't take every single pill, especially when it comes to pain pillars, painkillers, right. unless you're an addict, of course. But like if my father was to get a prescription for painkillers, he would have them left for years because right. he would literally only take them when he needed them. 
So I don't know what they were doing, but. Yeah, I guess you know what? He could be like, if you had a script and you hardly ever came in, but the script was on file, he could just start filling those and the insurance company or the person wouldn't know that their script had just been filled. Mm-hmm. And oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And if right. he didn't that's run it, and if he didn't run it through their insurance, because like I had a girl who walked prescriptions for me, so I didn't even and she think had about that. she had Medicaid, so I'd take her to CVS. She'd use her Medicaid; it would cover the Roxy's, Oxy's, and Xanax fully. And then I'd take her to a mom and pop pharmacy because the pharmacies were not linked, right. and she wouldn't use her insurance, so she could run two scripts like that, and she could use her insurance once and not use one. How much money would that be if you didn't have a habit? I mean, that would be. I, it would, I, I would have to write it down right. to figure it out. It's so much money. If you, so at that time, they were writing scripts for rocks. You got to think oxycodones were, they were writing them for like 240 a, a month. And then they would couple them with like 90 Oxycontin 80s. And then you'd have like 90 Xanax. So that a month, if you're paying a dollar in the pharmacy a pill, selling them for 10 and 12 at that time. Right. Millions. Yeah, I, I, I wrote, um, well, I, I wrote a story called uh, Generation Oxy. Uh, for these kids. I went to school with them. Are you, you know the book, Generation Oxy? I have Oxy. it at home. Are you I serious? I didn't realize that that <laughs> I wrote was... That book and now that you're saying, now that you're saying Cox, I'm like, okay, obviously I seen Matthew B. Cox on my, on my, um, on the, I have it right on my, my That's table. Right. Doug Dodd. And, yeah, and I went it, to school with them. Yeah. I'm a year behind them. Oh, I went okay. to Hudson High with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a, what a, what, like I, I met all of them except for Lance and I traded emails. <laughs> the wildest one. Yeah, yeah. The wildest one. Traded emails with Lance through Dodd, through Doug. So I was like, Doug, ask him this. Do this. So we were going back and forth. But yeah, I wrote that. And I also wrote another story called uh, Pain, which is a guy. There's a guy named uh, Derek Nolan. And he was, do you know who the George brothers were? No. Okay, they owned the largest pain, uh, cl- the largest, uh, whatever you want to say, franchise or whatever you want to call it, of pain management uh, clinics in in the country. Okay. I mean, sixty was it? Was it? It was sixty million uh, uh, pills that they they put out. They made like wow. sixty or seventy million dollars, and there were two twins. Wow! And uh, the guy that actually ran the clinics for him, his name was uh, Derek Nolan. They've actually written a book about him. There's been a documentary about him. Uh, I wrote a story about him, which is like the only version of the story from him. Uh, and uh, but he was talking about just like. He was almost like a, he was a manager, but he was like the ba- bouncer. He was like, he's, you'd, you'd walk out into the, the, um, he was into the, uh, uh, like the waiting area. Mm-hmm. He is, I mean. People are sleeping on you know, the floor. People are, are dozing off. Cause they just they're, drove 12 hours from out of state. Right. Well, and, and they're, they're also on, on pills. Mm-hmm. I remember he had this one thing. I'll just tell you this one thing. We keep it. It was cause it just always cracked me up. He said, literally he had a doctor come to him one time and say, so. He, uh, he said, like, the food trucks would show up. Oh, yeah. And they'd show up to feed everybody and leave. And he said, so he said, I, he said, one of the doctors came to him and said, listen, Derek, I've got, like, I've had multiple people, like, the last, like, I've had, like, four or five people in the last, you know, two or three hours that have come in to get their scripts, and they've got, like, brown spots on them. It's not bruising. It's like dirt or something. I don't know what it is. Like, I didn't want to say anything, but it's like three of them, three or four of them. And he goes, really? He goes, well, he goes, What's, what is it? And he's like, I have no idea. He goes, I'll check. He goes, so he goes into the visitation room and people are eating ice cream. And falling and, asleep. And they're falling asleep yep. and hitting the ice cream. He goes, and, the, and they would wake up, they'd be like, uh, and they keep, and they'd walk in with a big 
Oh my god, I can totally see it. I totally see it. I've seen I've seen shit like that before. Yeah, he used to call them zombies. They were yeah, because like at that time, you know, they were calling them pill mills, obviously, because they were they were seeing groups of people. Instead yeah. of, you know, you wouldn't just go in and have a conversation yeah. like with this is the Pill, doctor. They're seeing, they're seeing 10 at one time. Is everybody okay? Okay, here's everybody's scripts. Because they were just trying to get as many in and out. No insurance accepted, only cash. Only cash, which no is checks, no insane. this. insane. And then first he said visit, the cops. First visit, $500. He said, and then the cops <laughs> would sit, he said the cops would sit out outside. He said, and if you drove off and you had like a, a an Alabama plate or a whatever, an out of state plate and you were leaving, he said, boom, woo. Yeah. They pull you right over, search your car. He's in. They'd always find something. Something weed, meth, right. crack, whatever. They'd always find something because you know if you're driving from Ohio down to Florida to get pain pills, it's probably not your only yeah, problem. Yeah. You know, so. Well, and, you know, he said he was explaining like how they they. He said then it got to the point where we would test them to make sure they were taking them. Mm-hmm. He was, so they would know to take to take one before they got. I there. I know people that would, would just drop it in their pee too. Oh. Okay. I Which mean, I didn't uh, even know something like that would work, but plus the MRIs, like he would, he said they had a mobile MRI yep, machine where they back. would say, "Go, oh, you don't, your trailer. MRI is no good. You got to go back over there. Go get an, one. Come back. It's eleven hundred bucks." Mm-hmm. And they, I mean, it, it's just, it's such a fucking racket. It but was he would crazy. Meet, they, he said, but they met all the guidelines. He's yeah. Like, we oh would yeah. Meet all the guidelines. Oh yeah. Totally. They totally do. It was just, it was just how, like, the guidelines were so. It was at that time where. The I think like law enforcement and all that hadn't caught up with what was happening right. yet because they yeah of course they were meeting well, the guidelines you can, but you can in, only put so many guidelines out there if you, all you have to do is get over it mm-hmm. like if you just get around it so I have to do this one thing yes okay well yep. I did it great give me my pills and then when they stopped letting you couldn't be out of state anymore then they started getting out of state or in state IDs like I was letting people use I would take people and let them use my address to get a Florida ID to go to the doctor down here. Because that, you know what I mean? Because right, they were like, right. okay, no more out of state. You got to go, you know, whatever. We don't take out of state patients. People started losing their fucking mind. So it's, it was, it's terrible. But yeah, I went to school with Doug Dodd and them. They were a little bit older than me, but I definitely read the book. My mom's read the book. Seriously, you know? that's yeah. awesome. That's, cool. mm-hmm. that's pretty cool, yeah. bro. But, Tommy, the Generation Oxy. He wrote, I know, he wrote I, the book. I, I have it at home, but I didn't know, I didn't realize it was... I didn't realize Matt Cox was Matt Cox, I guess. You know, I didn't put it together. You know what I mean? That's, that's, <laughs> I didn't put it together cool. that he was the one who had read the book. I'm excited you know, about but that. That's like the first time. It was time, awesome. Like, yeah. It was an awesome book. I think it was great. It's funny because some people, like the way that some people are described in the book, I know exactly who they are without right. their names being named. Like a friend of mine, I'm not even going to say her name, but yeah, she, I knew exactly who she was. They were talking about Doug, how he described her. It was perfect. It was an awesome book. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, wow, what a pain in the ass Doug was. Um, to, to deal with I and mean, this kid was just the he, first of all you know he followed me around for like a week because I had written another book from a guy named Ephraim Devaroli mm-hmm. uh, and Ephraim Devaroli is Jonah Hill he's he's played by Jonah Hill in the movie War Dogs, War Dogs. okay so I'd written his memoir and so Doug had read parts of it because he was like they were their cells were close to each other so then Doug came and he was like, bro, you got to write my book. You got to write my book. I was like, bro, you don't even have a fucking story. And I kept like brushing him off. And, <laughs> and he was like, what are you talking about? You don't even know my story. I'm like, well, well you're, you're doctor shopping. Like if I want a doctor shopper, I'm like, I could throw a rock and hit bounce off 10 guys, yeah, right? That, that, 100 guys, you know, because Coleman had a huge turnover mm-hmm. too. So you're not talking about the same 1,800 guys. You're talking about 3,000 new guys every yeah. year coming through. So... I was like, it's, it's not that big of a deal. He's like, bro, you don't even know what it is. And I was like, and I remember thinking, you know, you're right. You know, opportunity knocks very softly sometimes. So don't be a dick. Listen to him. So I listened to him tell the story. And as he was telling the story, I thought, that's really not bad. 
It's yeah. Not a bad story. Like there were some great, like there were some pretty cute things that I thought, you know, you're not gangsters. You nope. think you're a bunch of soft white kid that think they're tough guys, but you're not. You're really just a bunch of white trash guys that were grown in, in trailer parks and this and that. What's so fun, funny is I said, look, okay, here's what I'll do. I'll write a synopsis. And if I can get some some reporters interested in your story and get you into a magazine, like, I don't know, I said like Rolling Stone or something like that. I said, then I'll write the book. And he's like, bro, you think you can do that? I'm like, I don't know what I can do, bro. I'm in fucking federal, federal prison. I got yeah. 20 years to go. I got plenty of time to see what I can do. Yeah. So I wrote a bunch of letters. I got a reporter involved and he put it, he put the story in Rolling Stone magazine and we sold the book and optioned the film rights to it. And I wrote, I wrote his whole book. But this kid, when he first came to me, he was begging me to write it. And at one point he goes, bro, I'll give you half of everything, bro. And I went, I go, that was, that was always going to happen. Like, yeah. You're not offering me something that's like, wow, yeah. like, what are you thinking? I'm writing it. Right. What, what, and, and he went, he's like, no, bro, come on. So I said, okay, we'll write it like this, write it like that. And what's funny about that is when he started reading what I was writing, because I'm taking an outline and I'm writing and I'm writing it in first person because it's so it's, it's a memoir. Yeah. sounds like he's writing it because mm-hmm. he can't write his own book. Yeah. So I'm writing it. And as he's re- as we're going through and I'm writing it, he's like, bro, that, you know, honestly, you got to change some of this shit. And I'm like, like what? It's like, like you, you basically say that like I'm, uh, we're a bunch of like, you know, trailer park trash guys or, you know, white trash. Like you, I even named a, I even named one of the chapters, um, upper class white trash. I mean, and he was like pissed off. And so I said, and I went, he was like, well, you make it sound like I grew up in a trailer park. And I went, but he did, but you did. Yeah, I said, we grew up in Hudson. Right. I went, you know, Doug, I mean, Hudson's <laughs> almost all trailer parks. It's a lot. And he's like, no, no. And I went, okay. You know, this one story I told, where did that happen? Well, well, yeah, that was, that was my buddy's, uh, my buddy's house. Like, was it a house? He's like, well, no, it was a double wide trailer. I said, it was a double wide. What about this story? Where did that happen? Well, yeah, that was a that was a sing that was a single wide. Okay, what about this one? Where did that guy live? Well, he lived in a in a trailer. It was a trailer park. It was a trailer. What about this? so I named like six stories, mm-hmm. and I said, Doug, where were you raised at this time? He's like, well, that was I was living there with my mom, and and I go, was it a house? He's like, well, no, no, it was a it was a trailer. I go, okay, <laughs> but I've always lived in trailers, and I I get that, but let's face it. Yeah, that's it's beginning where it began, though. Right, but see, people can't see themselves as themselves. Like, they, yeah, they have a hard time accepting themselves. Right. By the end of the book, by the end of the book, when he's read it, he's literally guys would be like, "Bro, what's uh, so what's up with your story?" I mean, Cox is walking around; he's writing your story. Like, like what's so great about your story? And Doug turns to the guy and goes, "I mean, nothing, bro. I mean, we're just a bunch of uh, he goes, we're just a bunch of trailer park uh, kids, you know, growing up and selling pills, man." And I looked at him, and he and he was like, and he he was like that, like because like, I was it like, literally, nice, it's perfect. Good reading that book. If you were not from there, reading that book, it describes it perfectly. You get the picture perfectly. Yeah, he's, he owned it though. It's, it's so much better to own it. Mm-hmm. And he, he did by the end of it. He owned it. He was and listen, he was great. And it's that's his what story. made the, it, you know, it, it is his story. story. It is. It's it's a great and it's a great story. Mm-hmm. There's nothing embarrassing about being, being, where you came from. No. Nope. So what? Doesn't and matter. like Lance and Landon and them, they were like the kings anyway over there anyway. Right? They 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 were they had more money. And they than grew up in a trailer. Mm-hmm. And they were like big dogs. They, they yeah. Their parents got them out of everything. Listen, they were. Huh? They owned a homeless shelter. Yeah. It, yeah. It, but not just that, you know. Like, listen. Um, was it Landon? Landon's older. Um. So what? what oh, okay. No, no. The the middle one. Um. Not the. So Lance. Lance. Who was the oldest? 
I think Landon's the oldest. Lance is the youngest. No, the, I think. the oldest guy I met him. I'm talking about the um Yeah, it was it was Landon. No, there's a there's a, a third brother. But the one that I met in, in uh he was an amazing athlete. The black guys, like they had like a relay they had races, they did this he was killing everybody. And I mean the black guys were calling him the white knight. They were like that oh, really? fucking white boy. Like he was it was, Richard? Yeah. Was it Richard Sullivan? No, no, no. no. It wasn't Richard. Um, Richard was the one that went to California to be like try and be like a porn star, right? So yes. it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, that's Richard. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta love that. Yeah, he's back now. But yeah, right. yes. So I no, forgot this about was, that. Yeah. yeah. This was one of the brothers. Yeah. That, but he was. He was like a, a great. He got his tooth knocked out. Remember, he got I his think. tooth knocked out. I'm trying because see, I didn't know Landon because he was older. So Lance went to school with me, and I'm trying to yeah. Think it was Landon. It was definitely was. it was Landon. They have an older brother, but he he was barely even in the story. Yeah, I can't. But I don't know. I'm sorry, I got off track because oh, I'm excited okay. because it's about me. Yeah. So anyway, so anyway, you were saying um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good story. It so, is a great story. It really and is. and you grew up there. That's mm-hmm. great. I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to ask Amanda and them. I, don't know. I have the book around here somewhere. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, so. Okay, so you're, you, well, wait, how old were you when you're actually writing the scripts at this point? So I had to have been like 19, I guess, because yeah. I would have went to jail, did my little six months and got out. So I had to be about 19, maybe turning 20. And the going to jail for six months, that's the, um, that that's was just for pe- the petty thefts. Just, but I was, you know, stealing to use pills and stuff, yeah, yeah. you know, my boyfriend at that time before my boyfriend with the, um, scripts had gone to jail. And so I was like, oh, how am I going to support my addiction now? You know, I'm not working because who works when they're, you know that far into an addiction right almost impossible right so i wasn't working you know i didn't have anybody that was providing me pills anymore so i started stealing all the time and that's what i started doing and yeah i didn't we didn't go to jail the first time didn't go to jail the second time then the third time of course they went to jail they get tired of it yeah so then they gave me it was like i would been in there for like a month and they they offered to give me like i don't can't remember it was like two and a half years probation and i was just like what my and my lawyer was like you could get i could get you six months in here so i was like let's just do it and i was a trustee i was out in like four or whatever so that was easy. So you don't want to do two and a half because you'll you can't you you basically have to take piss tests. You yeah, have to. yeah. And misdemeanor probation was really easy, but I had already been on it and violated it for this for with another petty theft. So I was like, I don't want to do it. I'll just I've already been in. I got two months in. I only got to do like two and a half more months, whatever. So right. I just did it. And you know, of course, it wasn't enough. It wasn't anything. It was a joke. I was a trustee. I did laundry. Got special treatment. All that shit. So it was nothing. I got out, started dating the kid or the dude that was 17 years older than me, and then we were writing a fake scripts. So eventually, how that came to an end was we were like down on our ass. By this time, we had moved out of our home. We weren't, you know, we hadn't paid our rent. Our electric got shut off, whatever. And I was staying with a friend of mine, Stephanie. And she was a pain pill addict as well, and she had an infant son. And uh, we all were living together, whatever. We would give her pills and, you know, whatever. We all took care of each other. Well, one day, I, we, were, she, we all woke up, and she was really dope sick. We were all dope sick, but we only had enough pills for me and my boyfriend, and we were going to a doctor's appointment. So I told her, I was like, I'll take the baby with me. You just stay here. Relax. We'll be back. It's, a, it's, a, you know, it's a, just a follow-up visit. In and out. We'll be right back. Come down. We can drive down to Pinellas County. Go back. By the time we get back, right. when I have and her you, son with me, okay. my house appears to have looked like it was robbed. But it wasn't. The only thing missing was my laptop with my script formats on it that she turned into the pawn shop. Right. So when she sold it to the pawn shop, they, because she sold it to them, she didn't pawn it. So when she sold it to them, they immediately went in there to clean it out. 
and seen script formats on there and called the cops. So then the cops were looking for her for a few weeks and they eventually caught up to her and she told on us and that's how it all came down. That's how that came down. Yeah, that's how that came down. So we found out How much time did you were they they come they came in, they arrested you, they we, did they call you nicely on the phone and say, Would no. you please come by the So I had seen that she had got I had seen that she had got busted. So I already knew I was like, like she's oh, missing fuck. the good parts. You know, yeah. like, you know, so then I no 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 no. Okay, so, so <laughs> they I, didn't I, knock I, on the door and say, Hey, listen. No. <laughs> misunderstanding <laughs> so they um so she she i had knew she got busted or whatever and arrested i was like great she's probably gonna fucking tell us whatever but we didn't really know for sure that she told on us we didn't at this time i didn't even know <laughs> I, I already the moment you said she got busted she's drug she's on drugs she got you're telling like <laughs> yeah. i gotta get out of this so at, at this time i didn't even know yet about the pawn shop yet though like i didn't know they were the ones who had called the cops i thought she had just somehow got caught like, did you realize like when you came home did you realize like did you know immediately, like, she's telling you the story and you're like, oh, okay, okay. But deep, but you're no, really I thinking, knew immediately oh, it was bitch, her. you sold it. Oh, yeah, because I knew it was immediately it was her because if somebody robbed my house, I had plenty of other things to rob. Right. My printer was sitting right next to it. Right. She didn't take that. They didn't take that. I had a, you know, just like a fire safe that you would keep your paperwork in, in my room. Right. Full of jewelry. You literally could drop it on the ground and it's going to bust open. Anybody who's robbing a house is going to check. I don't care yeah, if you yeah. think it's paperwork or not. You're checking that little safe. So I knew there was guns in the bedroom. You know what I mean? There's TVs there. There's just, it's just, it, she just dumped drawers and shit to make it look like somebody went through it. But the only thing missing is some cheap ass laptop bullshit. Right. You know, bullshit. So I knew it was her immediately. Um, so she took her son. They let, she left. We ended up going different ways, whatever. She gets busted, goes to jail. So at this time, I still didn't know that the pawn shop was the one who had called the police and all that. And that's how they found her. I thought that maybe they had investigated a pharmacy, seen that her scripts that she had been walking for me were fake or whatever. So she tells on us, me and my boyfriend at the time, we're going to one of his doctor's appointments. It's in Tampa. We get there. I'm sitting out in the waiting room. He goes in. He comes back out. He's like, we got to go now. And I'm like, what? He's like, we got to go now. We get in the car. We leave. He tells me that they had him in the back. He was sitting in the back waiting for the doctor for about 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And then the, one of the nurses or whatever comes in and says, hey, look, Pasco Sheriff's Office was here inquiring about you they told us when you came back for your visit to call them to come because they need to see you they need to come get you we called them we've been waiting if if you want to go go that's what they told him so he went they're investigating you for trafficking is what they said we can't see you you have to leave trafficking pills pills yeah like distribution or yeah it, it was like yeah like traffic, drug trafficking drug okay. trafficking because at that time the law on trafficking was just how many pills you had you know like if you had i can't remember the count i can't yeah, it was by weight. So if you had so much weight in pills, it was considered trafficking, whether you were making a deal or not. Right. It was it just if you had that much weight on you, it's trafficking. It's just the term. I mean, the term trafficking to me, look, like, look, like in the feds, like they have certain terms they use in the state. They have, like, for instance, you would never get charged with running a boiler room or conspiracy to run a boiler room in the feds. Like they don't have that's not a, a charge. Mm -hmm. It would be. You know, they have like it would be wire fraud or it would be mail fraud or it'd be or it'd be a financial institution fraud. Like they have different names for it, even though you're running a boiler room. But then in the state, if they charge you, they actually have a charge called, you know, like conspiracy to commit, you know, or to run a boiler room. Yeah. And so the same thing with trafficking, like you're saying traffic and trafficking in the feds is is distribution. Yeah, it is. It, that's what I mean by state, too. They just like so it'll be her. her, her his would have been trafficking in controlled substance. Okay. And then, you know, if, the and then they would have put the amount. If like it would have been cocaine, grams, trafficking four cocaine. Grams, right. You know what I'm saying? So the zero to four. But it is distribution. How, I was going to, I was just going to say that. How bad is that? How bad, like how, 
it used to so when at what what year was that like 2000 and this is him this is just him that's just they him. don't know you're there so it's pro- maybe the same thing for you i wasn't see i wasn't seeing doctors right i didn't have an mri but is it the same thing like is that what happened later they were also looking for you yeah they were also looking for me so um so they tell me he's in, being investigated for trafficking so we leave so how did he even get arrested oh at another doctor wait no how did michael even get arrested court okay so then we're on, okay, so now we know that the cops are looking for us for trafficking. So we're like, whatever, we're not going to call them and say, right. come, let's come talk to you. Because obviously we let's know they have some, some type of evidence. They were at one of his doctors. They, they were at one of his doctors. So they have some type of evidence. They know what he's been up to. So yeah, we're well, just. see evidence. They've got the girl and they do have the laptop. And the laptop's she, yours. But the laptop was mine, but it has all these scripts on them, which are fake scripts. But they all mimic real doctor prescriptions, which I was copying from his real doctor visits. So they're going there and they go there, they check with but them. But also got a, a, she, a I believe connection. when she told, she told them like, you know, Andrea Carswell and Michael Nolan. Oh yeah, I'm sure. It's who no, I've been I, living with. I know that. So, but that's still just her word. Yeah. So then, but if they go to investigate I, and yeah. see, you know what I mean? And then they look at CVS and see that Michael Nolan, Andrea Carswell and Stephanie were running these scripts. They're all fake. Right. And, and the then, doctor didn't write them. We talked the, to him. He yeah, didn't write them. The doctor didn't write them. She's em. got the stuff on her software. She puts it together. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's pretty, it's you have an issue. It's but an the issue. laptop, mind you, the laptop didn't have anything to prove it was mine either. Right. So they couldn't prove that the laptop was mine. It just, they just informed them to go find her. Yeah. Which all worked out for them. Yeah. So it's, of you're course. still done. Yeah. You're doomed. So, yeah. so we're, you know, just me and Michael continue to do our same thing. We're living the same. We're just, you know, one less doctor now because they won't see us. You know right. what I mean? Is how we think it's going. So he is at the time going to court for a misdemeanor, like driving on suspended, something really stupid. He's been to prison before and it was something, it was really dumb, but he was going to court for it. And he ended up taking a 60 day plea, which now looking back, why the F will we ever go and well, take a 60 day plea? Why would you go to court? Knowing like, they're looking. Did but, you not have that discussion? Like, do you think maybe there's a warrant out and they're looking for us and they're going to know we're going to be dude, at court? Like fucking 11 years, 12 years ago now, I'm trying to remember like this series of events of how it went down. I remember though, he went to court, he took a 60 day plea because then after he was in jail for a week is when they came and charged him with trafficking, talked to him and asked him where I was. Right. So... I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I was going to say. I um, just can't remember what the fuck. Because I remember going to the doctor, them telling, them looking for him for trafficking. Then he went to court for the misdemeanor. He took 60 days in. Yeah, he, that's how it went. He took 60 days in. And then after he was there a week, they came and hit him with three counts of trafficking, a few counts of obtaining controlled substance by fraud. That's, you know, getting fake scripts, using fake scripts. And then he had called me from jail and was like, hey, you know, they're looking for you, asking where you're at. I was staying at some house that somebody was letting me stay there, you know, fucking rats in it and shit. You know, that thing, because I was, had nowhere oh. else to go. I couldn't be at my parents' house with cops looking for me. I was so strung out on the needle. It was ridiculous. I was barely making it. And that's where the cops ended up finding me. In the house? In that house. They ended up raiding me at like 7 o'clock in the fucking morning. I was 90 pounds. They threw me on the floor face down. They saved your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always love these guys. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you can definitely look at it like that. Yeah. So they came in at like 730 in the morning, you know, of course, guns and masks and, you know, the whole. I know. Like you're, a, I understand you're a terrorist that they were yeah. just, like, they, like they're taking down a terrorist organization. And I mean, they, you know, it's, they said that they had been tapping my phone and I guess they heard me say something about having a gun at the house and stuff like that. But stop, ridiculous. Stop. So when they, anyway, when they busted in and raided me, they have, I had no pills. 
not not any pills on me. I was actually dope sick at the time. Um, all they found was a bag of like used needles, you know, and and my empty prescription paper that I was technically allowed to have at that time. It wasn't illegal to have, so. So they took me to jail, and uh, it was just like, they charged me with three counts of trafficking, they charged me with obtaining controlled substance by fraud, and then I had some, like, deal on stolen properties that was just, like, pawn and stolen shit. And uh, it was crazy, because I was like, how are you charging me? the way she says that. She says, you know, like, like if I had a dime for every time I (laughs) fucking... (laughs) Deal on stolen property. Yeah, like, everybody, everybody, you guys. You know what that is. Okay, so, yeah, so, um, I went to fucking jail... I remember being like, how am I being charged with trafficking? Like, first of all, you didn't even catch me with a pill on me. Uh, You've never caught me with a sale, hand-to-hand sale. How am I being charged with trafficking? And I was told that because of the amount of pills I obtained by fraud, that it was no way I could be using all those pills. Right. But, I mean, I absolutely could have been. Right. If I wanted to, I mean, who's to say? You don't know, you know, whatever. You'd have so, a massive. You'd have to have a massive to- uh, tolerance. You'd have to be. But if you think about <laughs> like the ones, the scripts pounds. that are in my name, you know, like the scripts that are in my name, I could have easily like, used those. I, I want to be on your side. <laughs> I want to. <laughs> there's, there's no, <laughs> this is not happening. It's, it's like it's like when they they come and they say, you know, we we found five gallons of blood, and we can't find Jimmy, and we have it's his blood. Yeah. And they're like, we're going to charge you with murder. How? You don't have a body? Because he can't live without, without this, much blood. this much blood. So, you know, I hear you. But yeah, sorry. Yeah. So I uh, so they charged me with trafficking, which I still I didn't get because I was like, I, I didn't, you know, whatever. And I ended up beating the trafficking. They ended up dropping them or they administrative count closed them. Whatever the hell that means. Right. Tell, they like pretty much so told that me. You pled, so in order to get you like it's a plea, right? You took no, a plea. They, no, it wasn't you a plea. You went to trial? No, no, no. They, 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 administrative count closed is this is what they told me. They said they close it, but they can reopen it at any other any time if they ever found new evidence to support the trafficking charge, yeah. which right. I'm like, They're well, never you're, you're never yeah. going to do that. So of course I, you know, accepted that. I took my, um, I had like, I want to say like eight of training controlled substance by fraud and four dealing in stolen property. So I had never been on felony probation in floor in anywhere in my life. These are my first felonies I ever got. I was 19 years old when I was arrested, 20 when I was getting sentenced. And my first offer was five years in state prison. And I was like, what? You know, I've only done six months in the county jail before that for misdemeanor, never been on felony probation, never been to a drug rehab, never... Never done drug court, never done any of these things. What do you mean five years in prison? I'm, tw- I'm 20 years old. You right. know, like, what? I was so scared. And, um, my, you know, my public defender at the time was like, you're not going to get five years. The first offer is always crazy. Da, 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 da. So I ended up getting it down. I sat in jail for like mm, six or seven months. And I ended up getting what's called like a split sentence. And so they gave me 18 months in, followed by 24 months probation. So I did the 18 months in. Well, you've already done... Six months. Okay, so you already did six months. Plus six you months. get gain time. Plus so you, you get gain time, yeah. you went in for six months? Mm. And that's not even worth unpacking. The gain time don't count when it goes to state. Yeah, when it goes to it's state. So in, so the six months, you don't get gain time off the six months from county. Oh, You see no. what I'm saying? It starts from the day I get in prison oh, no. from DOC. That's so the longer in county, the longer you're fucked. Fucked. Especially, on the, especially when you get a short sentence. Like six months on an eighteen month sentence is pretty average. People sit in jail for six months before they get sentenced. You know that's pretty average. Yeah, and but the feds is like a year. Yeah. Yeah. So it just drags. That was fine. I did that, but I when I went to when I got to prison, my first day when I walk into reception, I'm informed that I'm a youthful offender. How, how old are you? I was twenty. 
I was 21. No, I was 21 when I made it to DOC. I was 21. But youthful offender is, and in the state of Florida is 24 and under. Really? After the age of 18, the state can decide if they want to put you in general population or if they want to keep you in YO status till you're 24, till your 24th birthday. So you have 24. So what does that mean? Boot camp. It's boot camp. And it's like fucking so you're in prison with the regular with with the general population i I already don't want to be here yeah i have to really march and get so now i have to be with 16 15 16 17 year olds who are doing life who are absolutely fucking wild for pills no just for murder or whatever you know they're just in prison but because they're minors they have to be in the yo program and since i was you weigh you weigh you're what five two five three yeah probably five three uh, 115. Probably by that time, yeah, 115, 120 pounds. Oh, so I'm like, great. God. So like, I'm like, great. You know, I'm like walking up. I can hear. I'm like walking through the compound to the prison, and like the YO dorms back here, and the windows are open because you don't have AC in state, and it sounds like a fucking animal shelter. Yeah. You know, it was like it sounded like a jungle in there, and I yeah. just remember thinking, oh my god. This is going to be hard as fuck because I knew people in prison already. I, you know, I'd been in jail and on the streets with people who were in state prison, but not in a YO. So I get to this YO. I have to wear this yellow shirt with these crazy color train conductor hats, which is like signifies your level in the program and your privilege. Yeah. We march. Yeah. We chant. Everything is done together. It's it was hard. It was rough. So after that, you were like you were probably thinking like, you know what? The military is for me. No. I'm going in the military. No, right? I was like, no. What, right? No, Exact Tommy? opposite. After a while. After, after that, she was probably thinking, you know what? The military life is for me. Yeah. I need to. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Listen, I, I actually do well in like environments like right. that, believe it or not, but, and but I, which I think is from prison now. At that time, I didn't. I do now, but. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm much better if I'm on a, a, some kind of a soup, like a, a schedule mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm more, something more regimented. I plan right. everything. That's like, I plan what I'm going right. to do. Yeah. I was just thinking I was not only... Once the only because it relates to you, this is funny. We were going to after I'd been locked up, I was transferred one time to go back to court. Mm-hmm. And when I was being tra- we went through a transfer center. Now I've already been locked up like seven years, so all the fright and the scariness and everything of prison is just like whatever, bro. Yeah, like it's over. Mm-hmm. So we we were transferred, and then they they transfer you know they'll take you from a bus here, drive you for six hours, put you here for two days, get you on another bus take to go here, here yep. you know so. We get off, and I remember there are these guys. You know, they give us our our, our, our blanket and our, our no pillow, just a blanket and your other bullshit yeah. and your your stuff. And you walk into your cell, and it's like eleven thirty at night. And there are guys, so there's like eight of us. And as we're walking through the on the second tier, and the, the guards are saying like, "Okay, this is your cell. This is their." The guys are on the windows, banging like. Bam, bam, bam. Put them in here. Put them in here. <laughs> and guys are fucking terrified. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sitting there like laughing. Like, I'm like, a, <laughs> like I'm watching the guys and I'm thinking like, I've been in seven years. I'm yeah. yeah. Like this guy, you're good. Yeah. You're good. Matter of fact, put me in with him. Yeah. Cause he's funny. Yeah. Like for you to be pulling this shit at 1130 at night. Like I get it. These guys are scared. Guys are literally almost pissing their pants. Like, Oh my God. Oh my God. I go, look, bro, you're in a, f- this is a low holdover. They, these aren't pin guys. You're fine. You're fine. And they're like, oh, bro, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. Oh, they're fucking with you. Yeah. It'll I, be fine. Yeah, they're absolutely fucking with you. But it's terrifying. You. Like, yeah, the, if you, you don't this, know. Initially, it's literally just mm-hmm. uncontrollable shaking. Like, what's going to happen? That's how I felt. It wasn't like, like, I wasn't scared. Like, I didn't think, oh, my God, I'm going to die. Right. Like, I was just like, 
great. This is going to be hard. I'm going to have to fight. I'm going to be in confinement because I've heard about YOs. I've already right. heard about them. Like I said, oh, you they're, know, worse than pri- they're worse than they're, adult prisons. Because they haven't, they have well, well, they don't have anything yeah. to lose and they haven't fully matured. Yeah. So they have, they don't, you know, they're still children yeah. in an environment where they have, you know, authority right. and all that. It, and it's like being a 19 year old. Like at 19, I would drive 130 miles an hour in, mm-hmm. a, in my Ford, in my Ford F1 or my Ford 5.0 GT. You know what I'm saying? I would do that. Like now if you said, here, Matt, Get in this car and drive 120. I'd be like, are you your fucking mind? Yeah, because you just, you you, you like, know better now. I, anything goes wrong, I'm dead. You're smarter. Right. So I was just, it was more like fear of like how hard this is going to be. I'm going to constantly be in confinement. I'm never going to be able to talk to my mom. She's going to be upset, yada, yada, yada. So I get there and it ends up not being that bad. I mean, it was wild. I kind of just stayed in my own lane though. Like I said, I was 21. Um, I didn't know anybody in the program and a lot of them had to go to school still and stuff. You know, they went to school all day. I didn't do that. So I stayed in the dorm and worked because I didn't have to go to school. And eventually I did get into a fight with a YO girl because she stole my, ta- my ID tag. And in state prison, your ID tag is your money. Right. That's how you go to the store. And she could absolutely have used it and spent my money because all she has to do is pay the canteen worker to let her use my card. I knew it was her because I had seen her. I had kept it under my mattress when I slept. And she slept next to me. And for some reason, I seen her next to my bed. And I was like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, tucking your blanket over here. That's oh, so sweet of you. Because, yeah. I mean, all inmates are taking Yeah, I'm like, who, yeah. don't tuck my bed. I don't need you to tuck my bed. I got my own bed, you know? So I knew it was her. And she was like, I ain't got your tag. I don't have your tag. And it was this whole thing. And I was like, if you don't give me my shit back by time we get back from chow, from breakfast, we're going to have to fight. You know? All these wilds, see what's going on. I can't can't be punked like this yeah yeah you know what i'm saying fuck that yeah, they'll so, be eating out of my locker after this yeah, yeah so i ended up so we get back she still wants to deny that we don't have the tag so she went to swing on me first i ducked it and hit her and we fought and then you know they said one time so here comes the cops we jumped off each other the cops had already seen it they could see it through the bubble that's why they were coming but i didn't want to get spray, pepper sprayed right so we jumped off each other they asked us what happened i was like you know it's just a disagreement <laughs> she tells them she tells them she thinks i stole her id tag well, dumbass, we already got into a fight. They're already going to take both of us to confinement. They're going to search both of our stuff. Right. They're going to find it. So they find my tag in her shit, but we still both went to confinement, which I was fine with. I didn't give a shit. So I went to confinement. The only thing that sucked about it was it was my first Thanksgiving and Christmas away from home. I had never been away from my family for, for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and I was in confinement. So I couldn't even speak to them, couldn't even do nothing, didn't even have a fucking pen to write them a letter. Right. You know? You so know what's so funny? It's that like, sucks. It's all this, tr- like drugs and stealing and doing this and doing that and doing this but the thing is you know you're still just a 20 year old girl yeah you know and saying? i still like, no matter how mom, many i gotta talk yeah. to my mom it's like what do you you know it's like these guys are like robbing banks and getting into car chases and then being concerned if they can see their mother their mothers like, yeah what, what do you what's like the, the disconnect there is just mm-hmm. insane it was but yeah it so i couldn't write them or nothing but then i get out of confinement you know, you didn't, you don't get it. Most of the time you don't get any extra time. Sometimes you lose game time, but more, not really for fights because they happen so much. Yeah. Confinement's the shoe, right? Yeah. It's a, yeah. Yeah. Got, confinement's the shoe. Yeah, yeah. They just call it confinement in state though. Um, so I, I did that and in confinement in state, since I was a YO, I could only have a YO bunkie. So for part of the time, I didn't have a bunkie at all in confinement. Which some people say they like, but I'll lose my fucking mind if I don't have somebody to talk to, you know? So I had somebody, a a girl came in with me, and we made, like, a little Christmas tree out of, like, paper and hung it on the wall, and it was fine. 
I got out and the first day I'm out of confinement, I'm back in my dorm and my sergeant calls me to the window and says, pack your stuff. You've been declassified. You're going to general population. I have no idea why. He had no idea why. I still have no idea why. Probably so, because, well, clearly she's, she's willing to fight. So I mean, she's going to be okay. But yeah, I don't know. So, and when they said that, I was like, holy shit. So I start packing my shit. I'm all so excited. Were you, more con- you were excited yeah, because I'm, you, you figured that's I need to better be with the adults. This. I need to right. be with adults. Well, keep in mind, the whole time I was locked, like when I was in the U.S. Marshals holdover, mm-hmm. like I'm thinking I'm better off here than I am in a prison. But everybody, guys that had been in before, like no. they're literally saying, but I can't wait to get to prison. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Like, why do you want to go to prison? Like, to me, that's Shawshank, you know? But they're like, no, bro, it's so much better. You can get ice cream. You can watch movies. You can do, you can get a job. You can do, mm-hmm. it's like. You live life. Yeah. Kind you, you of. You can kind of have a little life in there. Sense but of you, normalcy. But in, in, yeah. In county, you don't have shit. No. And then in Y.O., it's, it's like I said, it's like boot camp, you know? Y.O., we, it was, it was, it was fine. Like, I could have got through it. I would have got through it. But I was super excited to be declassified and go to general population and be with adults and be with people I knew. And when that happened, all the other Y.O.s were like, how did you do it? How did it happen? I said, I have no idea. I didn't do anything. You know what I mean? They just did it. So then I go over to the, um, the general po- or the other, the annex of the prison, which was another part of the prison where they keep, you know, general population. I was there for one night and I was sent up to a private facility in the panhandle called Gadsden, which at that time was probably the best women's facility in Florida, had the most reentry programs, had the most vocational programs, had a dog program. It was, it was good. It was good to be there. It was far from my family, but it was like a breath of fresh air. Right. Um, I ended up going to school. Um, I graduated high school. I have a high school diploma. So in, in state prison, if you don't have a high school diploma, they make you just go to school to get try to get your GED. Not right. everybody's successful, but you at least yeah. have to go to school. I know. I taught GED. Yeah. So yeah. Some of those guys are just not getting it. Not GED. getting it. Some of them are not getting it. So I didn't want to work in the kitchen, though. There is something about prison kitchen. doesn't. I didn't want to do it. So I was like, you know what? I want to go to school. Well, in order to get into certain vocational classes, your tape tests have to be certain points, you know? So I would always pick like a vocation that my math was a little low on. So then I would have to go to GED class to bring my math grade up to get on the list for vocational. And that's how I did it. I went to school all the time in prison. Both times I was in prison, I stayed in school. So you just kept picking I just kept going like back to like high school pretty much in prison. Really? Like I would pretty much go to the GED classes to try to get, I would need to get my math score up to get into... Let's say AutoCAD. And then what? You'd once you got there, you'd switch it. Yep, I'd go onto the well. I'd go on the AutoCAD waiting list, and then you'd still stay in your regular class and wait for your wait for your vocational. So okay, yeah. I mean, it's let's just work in the system. Like yeah, I kept I I kept entering the the residential drug treatment sp- uh, program in Coleman, so they would so they wouldn't ship me. Mm-hmm. I wanted to stay at the low. Because my mom could see me there, right? Yeah. And it was only an hour away. But the closest camp was like Miami or, fuck, I don't even know. It was one was in like Georgia. So that's like a four-hour drive. So I'll never see her. So I kept entering the drug program and staying. So they would keep me in the program. They'd keep me there. And then I would drop out. And then three months later when they said, okay, you're going to be shipped. I'd go, oh, I can't. I got to go back to the drug program. I already, you know, and I'd, I'd go back in. Yeah. I, <laughs> I did that for like, I did it twice, but it really covered almost two years. It yeah. kept me at the prison. Just work in the system. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want to work in the kitchen, man. I just that didn't was want, it? That was it. 
that was it. And, and I did want to do vocational classes. You know, I, I mean, I did graduate high school. I do have an education. I do have goals, but I wanted to do some vocation. But at that time, when I went to prison the first time, I only, like I said, I only had 18 months. Half my sentence was almost over. There's no vocational classes you can do. Well, plus some of the vocational, like, like to me, the vocational ones at, at Coleman, it's like you go there and you learn how to be like, you know, to, how to run a restaurant. Well, I'm never running a restaurant. Yeah. You know, or you go in horticulture, like, okay, I'm not going to be a farmer. Yeah. See, I did horticulture. Right. Oh, right? Okay. See, so, but to me, that yeah. all that helps you to do is, is start a grow house. Yeah. If I wanted to do that, which I'm not, which I don't have, I don't have, there's nothing I'll use my horticulture certificate for. Right. I do have a friend, Jessica, who did AutoCAD. She was actually on Josh's channel. She did AutoCAD and she is a drafter now. See, they didn't, that, see, that's awesome. She, that's she, awesome because her, most people don't use it for for anything. She um uh, she she has such a great career now from that. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. She probably I couldn't even tell you how much money she makes. But she's she was really good at it, and it was a really great opportunity for her. But AutoCAD was super hard to get into, and it takes a long time. And she had a seven year sentence, so she was able to do that. But most vocation, yeah, no, because they're you know cosmetology is good for women. That's a good one. Then a lot of women want to do that in prison, but then a lot of them don't do it when they get out. You, yeah, they think well, they want to do it, but then they don't. Well, I was just gonna say, um, some of the guys like, like we did, we taught uh, GED. Mm-hmm. There was this kid. His, I, I only know his last name was Smith. A uh, black guy named Smith just sold drugs his whole life. Never had a real job. Just sold drugs, but didn't even. And, and it was GED. Never he dropped out of high school, like or, or whatever, like eighth grade or something. Mm-hmm. And but he he was amazing at math. Like didn't even know it. And then when he graduated, he then came back. Like my buddy Zach and I uh, were like, look, you got to have the next guy you hire for math has to be Smith. Yeah. Like he's t- already teaching the other. So he's, he's already teaching the other kids. And he had no idea. Or the guys. Yeah. Came back. And I mean, that kid it was him. And there was another black guy there, too, who had dreads. They were both brilliant and they loved it. And they actually had books sent from outside. And it was like, like to me, there's no way ever, ever. I'm going to be thrilled about math. Me either. But they love it. at it. And it's like, it's like, wow, these guys could like, they could have been something. You know what I'm saying? If yeah. they had, but you know, most people go to prison, you know, they go to the rec yard and come back and they're, they're, there's almost no vocational training. There's no way to try and rehabilitate themselves. None. They get out, they sell drugs, they come back. Like it's just such a shitty system. Yeah. Because, because like I said, you know, unfortunately for those vocational classes, first of all, they take, most of them take at least, you know, even like cosmetology, yeah. I think is like a six month vocational and that's short. Okay. Well, then it takes what a year or two to get, even get in to the To get into right. it. So then most people aren't even spending that long in prison. Cause if you get a three year prison sentence and you spent six months in County and by the time you your get to your time. main camp after being an R and O for two and a half months, three months, by the time you get to your main camp and can get on the waiting list, it's too late. Yeah. We used so, to say that all the time. Guys would come in with six months. We'd be like, yeah, it's not even worth unpacking. Nope. Just chill. I mean, You're just going to sit you around. You might as well re- start reading some books, bro. Yeah, just, just relax because it's not. So I... I um Because they'll be putting you in halfway house. In a month, they're going to put you in for oh, a halfway yeah. house. A month after that, you're going to be gone. You've literally... You're down to two months. Oh, yeah. In the feds, yeah. Because yeah. you go... I forget you go to half, halfway houses and stuff. Yeah. And your split sentence is every every federal sentence is, is a split, split sentence. Like oh, okay. I, I, you know, people are like, "Oh, you did this much time." Yeah, I also have five more years paper when I get out. It's oh, not okay. probation; it's just paper that if you do anything wrong, you go right back to prison. But Ugh. they don't consider it part of your incarceration sentence. That's like, it's, crazy. Oh, it's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. I mean, technically, my my sentence was twenty six years and five years. I technically got a thirty one year sentence. 
But I don't say that because then you have to explain it to everybody. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, I don't understand. People are like, oh, you're lying. Yeah. All yeah. Right, all right, I'm, I'm done. So I'm on probation. But anyway, so yeah. So, okay. So I did that. I, you know, just stayed in school, whatever. Like, like we said, it was only, I was only there a few months at Gaston because I ended up signing up for work release, which work release in Florida is where when you still have a certain amount of time, you can go to a program and you go out in the community and you get a regular job. You wear regular clothes. You have all those um, cool. privileges and you go get a regular job and you get paid. Now. Do you get, how much do you get to keep? About after all said and done, probably 30%. Which and that's sucks, being nice. But, which but sucks, but at least you're being... It's you're better being, than nothing. Right, absolutely. It's better than being in prison. That's what I would be in the, in the halfway house and guys would bitch because they'd take 33... Take per, or 30 per, Well, no, in the halfway house, they'd take like 30% or 35% of like everything you made and guys would be bitching and moaning. And I'd be I mean, bro, it, as opposed to like, I mean... They are feeding you. They are clothing you. They are keeping, well, not clothing you, but they're keeping a, like, look, yeah. like 30%. That's what you'd be paying in an apartment. So, yeah, the, the work something. release, when I was in work release, they took the work release program itself took 55% off the top. And then they made you, they took 10% that they distributed to court costs, fines, whatever. So now you're at 65%. If you have child support, it automatically gets taken out because obviously you're working. If you don't have child support but have children, the work release center makes you send money to the caregiver of your children, regardless if you're if you have to pay child support or not. So if you have kids and don't have child support, now you're looking at like 75% they've taken. But like we just discussed, you wouldn't have shit if you were in prison. Right. It also sets you up for after prison. It gives you, you know, goals, stuff to work for, stuff to stay doing good for. So, I mean, it was, it was fine. I did that. I went there. I did that for six months. I think I did maybe four months, something like that. And I got out of prison. Nothing, nothing happened to while I was there. I didn't lose anybody. You know, it was kind of, no, I don't want to say it was like a joke because it wasn't a joke. I, I, I didn't think it was a joke. I didn't take it that way. I knew it was serious, but it wasn't enough for me to be done with what I was doing. When I got out, it was the same, the boyfriend that I went to jail or prison with for the fake prescriptions, he picked me up with my parents. We immediately started using again. Wow. Yeah. We wow. immediately started using again and I was rearrested 67 days later. 67 days? Yeah. And I went back for five years. Holy. What, 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 how, like, what was that? What was that arrest? So. Did you get caught with a bunch of pills or? No. So when we got out, we started using again and my, and he had now, he had been to prison three times prior. So, or two times prior, two times prior at that time. So when we got out, we, he, what he wanted, what he used to do and had been to prison before is he would drive around neighborhoods, look for open garages and steal generators, pressure washers, anything that you could grab and, and get quickly for money. Right. Oh, yeah. And it was like a whole thing. So that's what we were doing. And obviously, you know, going to the doctor and stuff like that. But we're, I believe I, you couldn't doctor shop anymore by the time I got out of prison the first time. Where were you selling them? Are you, you're taking these and selling to them? To pawn shops. Oh, okay. So when I'm using and like when I'm like in my active addiction and I'm using and shit, I don't care about the repercussions as long as they're not right then. Right, of course. I could give a fuck about credit card fraud. Get me on camera. I don't care as long as you catch me later. I could give a fuck about giving you my ID at the pawn shop. Catch me later. As long as I get this money right now and go get my pills, I don't care. Plus most drug addiction yeah. in general. It's yeah, a, I don't the, care the, about The addiction so overwhelming. That you just don't care. Yeah, don't. So, um, yeah, so we were doing that. We were selling them at the pawn shop. We were at a pawn shop. Um, selling something and the person we had stole it from pulled up at the pawn shop. 
trying to buy a new a no, generator? No, was like looking for their shit, I guess, <laughs> you know? Junk. So we drove off out of there, hauled ass, because obviously the pawn dealer was like, I'm going to call the cops. So we hauled ass. I actually called Tommy and was like, what the fuck do I do? How, how do you know Tommy at this point? You're so, dating the other guy. So I grew up with Tom, Tommy's family um, and his sisters, his younger sisters are my age. Um, and I, they're the family that lived two houses down from me. Oh, yeah. the troublemakers. Well, they're not the troublemakers, but they were just a big family. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, they're the family. That, so I grew up with his brothers and sisters. So um, I had his mom. I had been calling mom since I was 13 years old. You know, they, they were my family. So I called Tommy and I'm like, what do I do? They're going to go to my mom's house. I right. just got out of prison. They're going to go to my mom's house. And Tommy was like, well, you either can run and they're going to go to your mom's house or you can go back to the pawn shop. It's up to you. You know, he's like, that's your two options. I mean, what yeah. else do you want? You know, he's like, come meet me right now. I'll take you back up there. So I went, I went and met Tommy. I went back to the pawn shop, tried to give the cops some lie. You know, it didn't work. I ended up going to jail. <laughs> so I'm going to jail. They're asking me where Michael is because he didn't go back with me. Right. And we also had a stolen vehicle that we'd been driving around for a month. So Tommy takes me back. They take me to jail. Yeah. 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 That's just, just, a, just a little grand theft auto. Don't worry about the little GTA. Yeah. Just, whatever. Yeah. So yeah. That's everybody. Everybody. Up, everybody's done all that. These, all these felonies she just keeps. Yeah. They, <laughs> you know. And you know. Well, I wasn't my grand theft auto. Yeah, so. <laughs> you're driving around in it. <laughs> so I get. Okay. So I get arrested. They're taking me to jail for dealing in stolen property. Tommy goes to leave the pawn shop. They're looking for Michael. I'm telling them, I don't know where he is. I jumped out of the car, got with Tommy, whatever. Tommy goes to leave. They follow Tommy. Tommy meets Michael. And they busted Michael, right? So, because Tommy was going to get Michael. He's on foot. So, Tommy's going to pick Michael up to take him. Hey, so, they pull the car over. So, Michael calls me. I tell Michael, Andrew's going to jail, bro. I'm on my way out of the pawn shop now. I got a pocket full of pills, but I, I go to the doctor, so I'm good. Right. And your leg was broke at that time. And my leg's broke at the time. So he's like, bro, you got to come pick me up. They found a blazer while I was trying to watch you guys at the pawn shop. This, that, the other thing. I said, well, listen, I don't think it's a good idea for me to come get you right now. Give me like 30 minutes. Let me shake these cops because I know they're following me. They think I'm going to come get you anyways. I guarantee it. No, bro. Bro, please don't leave me here. I'm stuck. Tommy, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. Right? I slide over to Home Depot, pick him up. Bam, detective. Bam. Going down uh, uh, Scenic Drive over in uh, Pasco. And I start seeing all these unmarked cars, marked cars, all this. I said, bro, they're finna pull us. You're going to jail. You want to get out and run and try? Bro, they're not going to pull us, bro. They don't know. He was an idiot. Next thing you know, bro, cops are jumping medians, okay, to pull us over, turn on the 19 off of Scenic Drive and um, Jasmine, went Jasmine up to 19. And when I tell you there was 35 cops that surrounded us, I'm not bullshitting you. It was ridiculous. Threw us all off for, the de for dealing in stolen property. Get me out of the car and throw me on the ground. I said, man, you know who the fuck I am. You ain't after me. The fuck off me. You ain't throwing me on the ground. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. I mean, honestly, like one car with a light when you would have pulled it, just, oh, look, we're pulling over. Like, yeah. I'm not getting to a high speed chase with you. With, for, for, you, you for you. When it's not anything to do with me. Like, right. it had nothing to do with Tommy. Tommy was just taking me because I was so shook up and so scared. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy because. 
I, I, my boyfriend's with me. Instead of saying to him, what do I do? I called somebody. Obviously, I didn't oh, even yeah. trust he's, this he's, motherfucker. No, he's period. under a lot. Yeah. You know, he's, like, he can't make a, bad, a good decision. Obviously, no. he picks up and calls it, Tommy and says, come get me. Well, the cops are behind me. They're, yeah, because if it was up around, him, we would have left state Just come right get then. me. Just come get me. All right, bro. I mean, the drugs are just completely fucking got you delusional. Yeah. And, and, um, and of course, I didn't want to go back to the pawn shop and turn myself in. But the thought of the cops swarming my parents' house after I had only been out of prison two months, two months, I couldn't. Right. I couldn't. It just was too much for me. It really was. And and I would have loved to say that like I, I didn't go back, but I did. I went back. I turned myself in. He takes me to jail. I get arrested. I got another 12 felonies. Just for drugs? Well, one was a violation of probation because I was on probation for the first prison sentence. Right. Then I had dealing in stolen properties and false information to pawnbrokers, but I had so many. So it was like another 10, 10 or 12 felonies I got with right. a violation. So I'm in jail, and obviously I don't have a bond, because I had a, um, in Florida you don't get a bond if you violate felony probation. Right. So I didn't have a bond, so I knew I was going to go going away for a while. I'd already been in prison. Um, they came and served me with a paperwork that's for um, PRR, which in Florida is a prison release reoffender. So it um, says that the first three years you're out of prison. There's certain crimes you cannot in, commit. In the feds, they call it uh, they call it uh, um, recency. Okay. Yeah. So if within one year of getting off, uh, or at, at, within I think it's three years of prison and like one year of probation, if you commit another felony, mm-hmm. boom, then it's yeah, like they'll it, match they, you. They, well, well, yeah, they 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 give you like another two, another two or three points mm-hmm. so you're wait, listen you're now you're doing at least another few you may be another two years it may be another eight years depending on where you fall but yeah it's the same thing they served me with it because i got burglary and burglary fell under the prr list and i had only been out of prison two months and why you, burglary like i thought it was the pawn shops yeah i got well oh, i got burglary charges for being okay so yeah for, okay oh, so for, i love that gritting the stuff out of the garage so, which and i never went into a garage but since i was in the vehicle you're it's the same you might yeah, as well be he went into the garage right. i popped it's the like hatch. i'm driving the getaway car yeah, for yeah, a bank so robbery so i got I did, I did get three burglaries plus the dealing and stolen properties and then that well burglaries fell on the prr reoffender list right so they came and say, served me with per- paperwork saying that that saying i could the, 15 years you know that they would serve that they could pursue prr whatever so I ended up going to court for a long time. I was in county jail this time for 15 months. Mm-hmm. Um, my first, my offer from them was 15 years. So I opted to go to trial on my burglaries because 15 years to me, I, I, I mean, now, like, when I think but about you can't 15 really years. Prove, you can't really prove that I went in there. You can't really, like, there's just. Exactly. Yeah, you can prove that I had the stuff and then I pawned it, in which you right, did but, that, but you couldn't prove. because. But he robbed it, brought it yeah. to me, and then I brought it. Like, so, I, I, if they're going to give you 15 years anyways, you, you might, might as well, well try. They will give it to you. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I had already gotten my discovery, which, you know, explains every, all details of your case, all evidence of your case. So I knew that a witness had stated that it was my co-defendant and another man because I had a hood on. And then another witness stated it was a green truck and it was a blue one. Right. There's some so ins- there was no, serious inconsistency. Yeah, there's some serious inconsistency. So I was going to go to trial on my burglaries. Um, so at jury selection, I want to say it was like my first oh, jury how selection. Terrifi- how terrifying is that? Yeah, right? So at my first time for jury selection, they, um, the state said they were not ready. So we were like, oh, okay. So then when I went back in for my second jury selection... They had offered to, what did they, what did they end up doing? Because I got convicted of burglary. 
They dropped PRR, which took off the 15 mandatory. And then I, so my point system, I had a high, I want to say 154 points, which scored me almost to nine years. So I did, still didn't want nine years. Yeah. You know, like most people are like, oh, you could have got 15, nine. No, I don't want nine years. Yeah. I'm a drug addict. I need help. Somebody help me, you know? Right. So I, uh, I didn't want to take the nine years. And so what I ended up getting was a downward departure. Right. Um, because the witness, one of the witnesses said that the other person stayed in the car so we could prove that I was a minimal participant in the activity. My co-defendant was already being sentenced for PRR. So he was already getting 15 years. He had taken that. He had been to prison three times before. They hit him with habitual, yeah, violent yeah, career yeah. criminal. All it was a he took 15 years. So I um they gave me uh, downward departure and I got 60 months, five years DOC, followed by no probation. Is what I thought. Is what I thought I was taking. Right. So I took five years, and I went to prison. Um. I went back to the same prison up in the Panhandle, Gadsden. It had gotten a little worse because, you know, of course, they cut prison. When they budget cut, they cut prisons and stuff first, obviously, always. But again, it was still a private prison, so there was still a lot of good stuff for being there. That's when I did horticulture. Um, And I took it a little bit differently. My brother got married, and I have my brother is my only sibling. He's been with his wife now for like 16 years. He got married while I was there. So that was pretty devastating for me. Like, it sucked to miss that. And then um, my father also passed. So while I was there, it, I kind of like looked at things differently. I tried to listen to people older than me, like their stories, their advice, and just see where I could change my life because I didn't want to be 40, 50, 60-year-old woman in prison. Working. No, because this, this is, isn't working. And now, and now like I wasn't – the first time I was a kid and the second time I was still a kid, but my mind had changed differently. And I was like, this just isn't for me anymore. Like I became lonely. I was sad, yeah. you know. And the first time I – I was lonely the first time, but I don't remember – it was a different sense of loneliness. Like I felt empty the second time I was in prison, you know? So I did horticulture. I did that. Um, and they, the state of Florida wanted me to go to what's called pre-work release before regular work release this time. Pre-work release is basically a, a rehab in a state run rehab. So that's what I did. I went to Bradenton, Florida, to the Bridges of America, which is it was owned by Department of Corrections, and it was a rehab. And I was super successful, and I'm super thankful for that. Um, it was. It's obviously something you have to take it, and you have to do it if you don't want yeah. it. You know, and you're always going to have people that don't want to be there. They're just getting through the motion, yeah, getting out of their way through getting it. out of prison, and that's fine. But I learned a lot of I learned a lot about myself, about the way to deal with life, myself, my coping mechanisms, mental, mental illness and others and myself. You know, I learned a lot there. So it was good. Um, and then I went to regular work release again and I got a job at a restaurant and I still work there to this day, six years later. So it was fantastic. I relocated to where I lived. I'm, I went to work release in St. Petersburg and I relocated there and that is where I built my life and my family now. So. All right. Yeah. That's cool. I was going to say the, uh, the RDAP program that I told you I went into mm-hmm. uh, twice. Like, like that's like, like to me, uh, somebody asked me the other day, like, what would, should you change? Like if you could change something about, you know, prison, I was like every single member before you get out, you have to pass that program. So like, those, the, are, those are great programs. The, they teach excellent. you all about your criminal thinking and what the errors are. And mm-hmm. like, you're like, doesn't everybody think like that? No. Nope, they yeah. don't. And it also taught me to like what I, it, a lot of conflict resolution. Like I always try to look at the other person's point of view now. Yeah. 
Always. I always try to. I may not agree with them or disagree with them, but I always try to look at their point of view and see it from their side before I react. Um, I also think they're great programs. The one I was at is now shut down because like we talk about, you know, they close work releases and pre-work releases first. So there is no more of that program, which is crazy because the success rate from that program, just the people I know alone. It's like, because my best friend now, she went through the same thing. We went through the same, same, pretty much the same prison sentence. We went to Bradenton, work release, Gadsden, horticulture. She did five years. I did five years. And she is super successful, too. And she went home to her exact town, to the exact place she was from. And she's five years out and doing fantastic. Yeah. Instead of them saying, you know what, should we, should, the, the programs that are set up that actually we can prove work to help reduce recidivism, should, we're going to cut the budget. Should we knock 25% off of everybody's sentence and, and, and make the, and put more money into these programs so that we don't have to keep locking these people up or should we cut the program so that in the end we'll have to build more prisons? Which one do we go for? Oh, we'll shut those programs down. Like, like, I mean, do the the basic fucking math. Yeah. It was so disheartening when I heard that. It's the same thing with us. Like, okay, so we spend, we spend, you know, 21,000 in the state and I think it's like 35,000 in the feds to to put an inmate to for, uh, per year to keep an inmate in prison or you know and and then we spend like $3500 to educate like a student. So how about we double that for students and we just cut the fucking prison population? Like mm-hmm. there's the money. Yeah. No, no, let's let's go ahead and we'll spend less money on schools. What? Or like we talked about with like sense. ridiculous vocational programs. And I'm not saying horticulture is ridiculous program, but how many people in prison really are going to get out and use horticulture in their life? They, they are. They're going to go open grow houses. You know, why <laughs> would you true. spend like the prison I was at had a greenhouse. Right. So that means that this prison spent all this money to have a fucking real greenhouse. But we're ta- getting rid of the rehabilitation centers to that are actively working like they work. You know, I mean, no, they don't work for everybody, but I, it's crazy. I, me and my, like I said, me and my friend, we still use terms to this day that we use there. We still use thinking this way. Like when I'm super overwhelmed and super aggravated, I'll call her and I'll say, bro, I'm about to shut the blinds. I'm about to close the blinds right now. Cause that's what we used to say. You know, the chick that I used to date, we used to, cause she went through RDAP too. And she would say, I'd say something and she'd get, she'd get a super optimism. She'd say, Come on, that's super optimism. Yeah, you're saying, don't, 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 <laughs> don't. Or she would, she would say, you know, you know, that's a thinking error, right? And I go, stop. Thinking error. Stop that's it. A good one. Yeah. Oh yeah. We just <laughs> constantly, it's like throwing back and forth at each other. It's like, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't yeah. Do that. I mean, it was a great program for me. I was thankful for it. I almost didn't go to it, to be honest. I didn't want to go to pre-work release when I was in prison talking about it. I was like, they're just going to end up sending me back. It's just going to be some reason for me to get in trouble. And my friend Stacy, um, well, it was actually one of my friends, really good friends, she referred to her as her mom in prison, you know, Stacy was like, what's, why not at least try if you get yeah. sent back? So fucking what yeah. you won't, you'll be right where you are right now. And I think, I thank her every day for having that conversation with me. Cause she made me change the decision to go. And if I wouldn't have gone, I might not be where I am. Yeah. I really might not, you know, it sounds so cliche to say something like that, but yeah, it's but the cliches absolute are cliches truth. because a lot of times they're just true. Yeah. It's the absolute truth. You know? If I wouldn't have, if I wouldn't have gone, I might have gone to gone, made it to regular work release and used again or got out. Yeah, and used or again. not even that next time you just might just, you know, you got lucky. You didn't overdo How many people do you know that have fucking overdosed? Like um, 
thousand. You may not yeah. have even got the third chance. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. But yeah, okay. Is that? Or, 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 I mean, what are we doing? I mean, whatever. I don't know. Listen, listen. I'm a talker. Like I'll talk another 45 minutes about nothing. <laughs> about nothing. Nothing. I mean, I did. What I was on probation when I got out this time, which I didn't know about, but. Because when I got so okay, so do when, they end? Do they do they cut like if you're good on on state probation? Do they will they end it early? If you're sentenced that way, you ha- when you get sentenced, you have to be sentenced to four years probation with early term. So if you're good, if you're good and meet all your conditions, and it's usually half the time, right? But sometimes they'll let you like so. When I was sentenced, I was sentenced to probation with early term as soon as I pay. So if I would have walked out of prison and paid every single dollar, off. I was off. Yeah. But unfortunately, it was like twelve thousand fucking dollars. So that's the the issue with me is uh, like everybody I know um, is getting off on half half the, the half their probation. Mm-hmm. Boom, done, done, done. But if you owe restitution, you're not eligible to get off at half at, at the halfway point. Mm. So or you, they won't put you in. You can't put in whatever. It's like okay, well, I owe six million. So. That's, it's going to be an issue. Like, so, and, and they're like, well, I mean, that's, that's the way it is. Yeah, but you're holding me to a higher standard. Yeah, exactly. So I've been good for two and a half years. I have another two and a half years. Yeah, well, why can't I get off? Like, I still owe the money. I'll mm-hmm. still make the payments. So, no, 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 you're not eligible. It's just stupid. It is so, stupid. Whatever. But yeah, okay, I, I was just wondering about that because I know people that are getting off like left and right. So when I went to prison the first time and I got the 18 in followed by 24 out and then I violated with new charges... When I got when I went to court, normally what they'll do since you're getting a five year sentence is they'll terminate that probation. Right. But they just kept it up. They, so he you, terminated all charges but one. So I had so which you should have just kept them all. Then you you know what I mean. So when I got out of prison from my second time from my five year sentence, I did have probation, and it sucked, but I did it, and I got off in a year, and I early termed it, and I paid my money, and. Yeah. They can kiss my ass now. Well, but that's not really my option. Yeah. Um, okay. So a lot of things would have to go right. Um, all right. That's uh we're we're good. Yeah, and all now right. I've been clean nine years. Nice. Yeah. So And you're you're dating Tommy. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean not everything works out. I'm sorry. Yeah. About and we're that, getting ready to have we're getting ready to have a grandkid. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, my daughter's yeah. his oldest is is having a baby. How She's nineteen. You? I'm thirty I'll be thirty two. Tommy's forty two. Oh well he'll be forty two. Yeah, Thirty-two, you're like a baby. Um, all right, so are we done? What are we doing? I can't. I can't. I mean, I, I think this covered it. Yeah. I did a better job than Josh did. So anyway, <laughs> all right. So Josh would be like, bro, what are you doing? Hey, I appreciate you watching. And do me a favor: if you like the video, uh, subscribe, hit the like button, hit the bell, so share it, and leave a comment and. Andrea, you did a great job. And so, thanks for having me. All right, that's it. See you.